0: let's get on with the show. All
1: right. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the thoughtful entrepreneur. I'm your host, Jen Amos. And today I have with me anxiety coach and imposter syndrome educator at the company, the energy synergist, Heather Ryder. Her website is energy Heather, welcome to the show. Hi, Jen. I'm excited to chat with you today. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, it's a new year. So I thought I'd ask, how's uh, 2021 treating you so far?
2: Oh my gosh, it's been an exciting year. A lot of things have happened um, already. So yeah, I guess we, everyone, right? has just had like a couple of crazy years. So (laughs) I'm just keeping, I'm just keeping on, keeping on.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, And you survived uh, the, everything that happened in Texas recently. So I'm, I'm glad you're able to make you made it out alive and here we
2: are having a discussion today. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Thank you for that.
1: Yeah, no worries. Uh, Well, Heather, I'm very fascinated in uh, just what you do um, with your company, The Energy Synergist. But for people that are hearing about it for the first time, tell us briefly what your company is about and who you love to serve.
2: Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I struggled with imposter syndrome and high-functioning anxiety, which is a very specific type of anxiety. I struggled for a very long time. And so my path out of that and my path into healing and sort of transforming my life, um, I use that tool to help other people. So I just work with other goal-oriented, really ambitious people who are tired of feeling the way that they feel and know that there must be something more for them. So those are the people that I work with. So I just basically help them feel better and transform themselves sort of from the inside out.
1: Yeah. You know, uh, this reminds me of a friend um, that I that's actually, I consider one of my best friends. And unfortunately she had, um, gotten really sick recently as a result of, um, just how high functioning she is. She calls herself a recovering perfectionist. Um, and she's all about, you know, just like for as long as I've known her, she's always about just being busy and having meetings left and right and trying to appease everyone. And, uh, unfortunately it caught up with her and now she's kind of like finally at this place of rest, but throughout the whole process, um, one thing that her husband disclosed to me is just how how hard she was on herself, like just that inner talk. So uh, let's go ahead and dive into that. Like, what is it, like, why are people, um, how is it that these goal oriented and highly ambitious people also struggle with anxiety and, and that whole perfectionism, like, where does that come from?
2: Yeah. I mean, this is a pretty deep question because the real answer is where it comes from. I mean, is our upbringing Mm -hmm. Um, when we witness, Things and experience them in our lives, we make decisions about ourselves. We make decisions about others and we make decisions about the way that the world operates. Mm-hmm. And those decisions become like subconscious beliefs, they become limiting beliefs. Mm-hmm. And so we just operate from that place. And when we have perfectionistic tendencies, which is what is underneath imposter syndrome and that's underneath high functioning anxiety those things, you know, that perfectionism sort of came from somewhere. Um, And I can just say very personally, I mean, for me, it came from my mom. I mean, I absolutely love her and we have a great relationship, but she definitely has very perfectionistic tendencies and said things to me um, when I was little that I really absorbed. Plus I was already naturally just somebody who, like the girl who sort of did her homework, (laughs) you know, like that was just me. And so when you combine this sort of natural tendency to be intrinsically motivated, which I was, plus these messages that like, you should be doing everything right all of the time, you know, quote unquote, right, quote unquote, perfect. There is no perfect, by the way. It's like, I became this person who was operating in the world a very specific way. And so I was really putting a lot of pressure on myself, but not recognizing it. Because it was just so part of who I was that it's like you can't you can't see what's driving you and making you do the things that you do.
1: Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if it's a a generational thing where our you know let's say our parents before us felt like they had to hold themselves up to a certain way because I think in this at least in. This time or this generation, I feel like, for example, health, uh, mental health, has is highly prioritized and celebrated and more acknowledged. Where I think maybe, and I think about this even for my dad in the eighties and nineties, um, it just didn't seem like such a um, it, it it seemed like such a taboo topic. I'm curious if you had any thoughts on that.
2: Oh, I definitely think there um, was a huge stigma around mental health, right? And mm-hmm. that you don't, like, you don't go see a therapist years ago. And if you did, you wouldn't tell anybody about right. that, right? That's like, that's a secret. That means there's something really wrong with you. So we are moving definitely away from that. And and these health, mental health topics are becoming more mainstream. Yeah, But there's still, I mean, even though that's true, there's obviously still a lot going on. And there is a lot of pressure in American society to succeed. So this is, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, we are a country of doers, right? The way that our uh, it's set up is like you work and you work a lot, right? I mean, yeah. and, and there's like even phrases around those like hustle, like yeah. rise and grind and things like that. that. That only perpetuates the you're supposed to be on all the time sort of mentality. So it's a yeah. weird juxtaposition, right? Of mental health and that becoming- Um, normalized, but then also still this culture of just like push yourself really, really hard to succeed.
1: Yeah. You know, I was just thinking, uh, my, my husband's a big history buff and it got me thinking like, I wonder if we're like this way because America is still a young country as a whole and we're still trying to prove ourselves to the world. (laughs) You know, if you really look at it, we're not, we're only a couple centuries old. Right. And our founding fathers were, you know, they were workers, they were innovators, they were constantly thinking. And I wonder if it just that kind of, you know, like was handed down to the generations after afterward.
2: Yeah, that's a pretty astute observation. And I mean, yeah, the United States is a country of innovators. And that's a great thing about us. I mean, like this country, we make amazing things that are used around the world. um, And we're pretty nimble and quick. But yeah, they're with that thought of, of like, you should be successful and everybody can be successful here, right? This is why I'm kind of mentioning these weird dichotomies is like, there's so many opportunities here for people.
1: yeah. Um, but
2: at the same time, um, I think that we haven't found the balance, right. And if you look at other countries, it's like, they take a lot more vacations that we do. They don't work 80 hour weeks. Right. And so Mm -hmm. you're right. We haven't probably matured in some ways.
1: Yeah, we haven't uh, found that happy medium yet. We probably have yeah. a couple more centuries ago. <laughs> but um, oh, not that long. That's a long yeah. time. <laughs> Let's hope not, right? Let's hope our uh, our kids after us don't have to struggle that badly. But um, anyway, Heather. So you know, we've made it very clear that you know, obviously, this is an issue for a lot of Americans today. Uh, just the fact that so many of us are goal oriented, highly ambitious, and at the same time, <laughs> you know, struggle with anxiety and imposter syndrome. Um, one thing I think is uh, interesting about you and the way that you like to help your clients. I know that you like to target corporate and entrepreneurial high-achieving women, um, you take an unconventional approach to your process. Can you tell us about that and how you help your clients?
2: Yeah, I've sort of alluded to this, right? Um, And I help people tap into those root reasons, the subconscious program and the limiting beliefs. Because Mm -hmm. if we really want to find a way out and feel better Um, Yeah, I give people practical tips of things that they can do when they're feeling really overwhelmed because we all need some tools of like, oh my God, what do I do right now? Like I'm feeling really terrible right now, but to make the lasting change and to really change who we are, we need tools to tap into that. And I mean, we don't have enough time to discuss all of that, but just say, let's just say I take some innovative approaches and in getting at the mindset the limiting beliefs and the subconscious programming so that people can shift from that place. And that's where they see real effective and like lasting change.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you've managed to uh, accomplish this on average with your clients for about four months. How was that? How were you able to master that or get into that happy (laughs) timeframe of four months? Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, most of the people who come and work with me have tried other things that haven't worked for them. They've Mm. tried therapy or they've tried pharmaceuticals and there are great therapists out there. Okay. I'm not knocking therapists, but a lot of people who come to me say that the therapy that they have tried, they felt like they were paying to talk to a friend. Hmm. So they weren't getting at those root causes and root beliefs. And so if you are number one, working with somebody like me, who's going to take you through like, okay, we're going to really do this. It's like, because my clients in between one-on-one sessions with me, they have, you know, quote unquote homework to do. I have them doing things every day. Mm-hmm. So it's like when you really address and focus on your um, problem and make it a priority and say, I'm committed to this a lot of things will unleash and you'll start to have a lot of change in a really short amount of time. So that's part of it is like the commitment level, but also, as I said, like the unique and sort of innovative things that I do, um, that's part of how they're having the big changes also. Yeah. Um, You don't have to
1: name drop or anything, but give us an example of um, maybe a favorite client of yours that really embodies uh, just that success of going through your program or, or working with you.
2: Oh my gosh. There's this woman that I worked with. She works in finance and um, she was just really dissatisfied. She saw a lot of this sort of imposter syndrome showing up at work. She wouldn't raise her hand in meetings. She felt like, who the heck am I to like Make a recommendation or say something. She really compared herself to other people that she worked with, and you know, sort of like put them on a pedestal, is what she would say. Mm. And what she didn't tell me um, was that she, in her own personal life, was a writer. She loved to write fiction, but she doubted that she was even "quote unquote" like qualified because she doesn't have a degree in writing. And I didn't know this till we had worked together for a while. She had basically written a book an entire book. She'd never shown it to anyone. She wasn't telling people about it because she thought, well, like, again, like who am I to write a book? I don't have, I don't have a degree.
1: Yeah. And so
2: through our work together, she really changed how she was showing up at work, but she showed that book to people. Like she started getting feedback on it, um, which, you know, just putting something out, like, like out in the world, like that was a huge step for her. But I love this. When she said, she's like, yeah, I'm showing it to other people but I actually don't even care what they think. She's like, I love this book. And if right. I love this book, somebody else is going to love it too. So it's like mm-hmm. that internal validation for her is where she was coming from instead of like seeking validation from other people. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if, we learn to give ourselves that internal validation later in life. Like, is that like an adult trait we have to be taught because, you know, you think about just growing up, we, we are constantly looking, you know, at our parents or primary caretakers and, you know, society and trying to see how we fit in. But I feel like there kind of comes this threshold where people get, um, I guess they say enough, like I'm done, <laughs> you know, of like trying to fit in or trying to appease people and what have you. Um, do you, do you notice that as well? Like maybe there's a certain point where people
2: just have enough of that. Oh yeah, absolutely. And that point is different for pe- people, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I tend to work with people in their thirties and forties and fifties. And so there are people who get to that stage younger. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there is, you know, this, um, validation that we look for, like you said, from our caregivers and our parents, but a lot of times it's from teachers too, or peers. Mm -hmm. And of course, when you're a teenager, I mean, I don't know about you. I was a hot mess for a couple of years in there. Right. (laughs) And you're really looking for like, uh, yeah. Approval from your peers when you're in high school or middle school. But yeah, a lot of people do get to that stage where they just think, I can't keep doing this for other people. I have to do this for myself. And just as a side note when we're talking about imposter syndrome because people are perfectionists, that's actually something that I recommend that people with imposter syndrome do is first of all look for the small successes, mm. right? Because People have a grandiose view of like what success is when they have imposter syndrome. So, I mean, just like focusing on small wins is huge, but also like giving yourself praise because a lot of the time we just don't get it from other people. And so if that's all you're searching for, what if you don't get it? The best way is to be like, I'm proud of what I did, regardless of what somebody else thinks.
1: Yeah. Which I I think is very hard for, um, I think the average person to, um, learn, I think it's a kind of a learned skill set to give yourself that internal validation and be your own, you know, cheerleader. (laughs) I think for myself, like having lost my dad at young age, like I lost that. So I had to give that to myself, you know, and just like what you said, people find that for themselves at different stages of their life. Um, and so, but I think it's a beautiful thing when they do, when, you know, just like your client, who's just like, I'm sharing this book, despite what people think, because I like it, I think it's great. Like, I think that's just such a powerful place to be in when, when you can kind of master that master, or at least practice that internal validation.
2: Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I think it was just beautiful what you said about, um, the fact that your father passed away. I don't want to gloss over that because you said that was really powerful. Like you saying, I didn't have this thing and I had to come to that place for myself. Um, I loved that you said that. So I just <laughs> wanted to point that
1: out. Yeah. Well, no, thank you for saying that. Um, yeah, it's it's important. Like, it's I also think it's important, at least for me, I've learned to kind of reframe that tragedy and be like, well, what was the gift that I got out of it? Oh, well, you know, I come to myself first for validation. Like, I ask myself, what do I like? What do I want? I mean, it's not always perfect, obviously, um, but for the most part, I come to that place. And um, it is really interesting. Um, I, going back to my friend I mentioned at the beginning, um, she is such a, you know, she has such a big heart for helping anyone and every everyone. And unfortunately that had cost her, her health. And so um, I'm in a, in a way it, it got me reflective, like, wow, like I'm in a way, I'm glad that I know how to set those healthy boundaries and know when to cut my losses and, you know, pick my battles and stuff like that. But it really is an artwork, I think, especially if, you know, you grew up um, seeking that external validation for, you know, most of your life.
2: You just said something really important. Um, I don't remember exactly what you said, but it was something about like looking for the lesson. Mm -hmm. and that's a growth mindset tool. Um, So when you're in a growth mindset, regardless of what is happening, you're looking for what can I learn? How can I grow out of this? And it's like not naming things that you did as a mistake. It's seeing like, okay, that happened. And I didn't like that. That wasn't satisfactory. And instead of being a victim and being like, well, who can I blame that this thing just went wrong or judging yourself? It's like, okay, I'm going to take this and I'm going to see what lessons am I supposed to get out of this? And I'm going to keep evolving. And that's really important for people who want to break out of old patterns. It really is a mindset thing. It's like, I'm going to look at everything that happens. I'm going to take responsibility for myself and my growth out of this. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to say, okay, there's got to be a lesson in here for me. And I just Mm -hmm. heard you say that. And that's really powerful as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for acknowledging that. I think that, I think, um, you know, the best lessons are, the best lessons are wrapped up in problems and challenges, right? It doesn't have the prettiest wrapping, (laughs) but if you unpack it, you come to find that there's this beautiful lesson. Um, I I like that you mentioned that as kind of one of the tips to, you know, work through um, anxiety and imposter syndrome. Are there any other growth strategies you would recommend that you want to share with our listeners?
2: Yeah, I want to, I really want to mention this internal dialogue that sort of happens because as humans, our brains are operating, you know, on multiple layers at the same time, rather you like do so many things and you have thoughts coming in and out all of the time, a lot of which are just junk and like kind of, you know, like (laughs) chatter, but in that chatter, there usually is this um, critical voice of oneself that is Mm -hmm. talking and we don't hear it. It's like we've become so accustomed to it. We don't even notice it. And that's actually really detrimental to us because the things that we say to ourselves are often like, if you said them to somebody else, it'd be totally abusive, right? I mean, just like dysfunctional and not okay, Yeah. but we say that stuff inside our head to ourselves. And so I think it's really important that people start to become aware of the things that they are saying to themselves, Mm -hmm. because that's the first step into being like, Hey, wait a minute, I'm saying all of these things that are really mean and detrimental fundamental, catching that and observing it is really important. But then when you catch it and observe it, you can shift it into a more positive statement. You can reframe it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. What what would you want to say to those people that are holding on to just that, that really negative, toxic inner dialogue, like their life depends depends on it. You know what I mean? Like sometimes like we just can't shake that out of our head. Um, Do you have any thoughts on that, on on how you want to respond to that to people that, feel like they have to hold on to that.
2: Yeah, you know, it's so interesting that you say that cuz themes emerge in my conversations with people or clients or potential clients and people who are very um who do have imposter syndrome or high functioning anxiety and really goal oriented and achievers. They think that that voice is what makes them do the things that they do. So mm-hmm. they use it as a motivation tool. Like, oh, you're wow. lazy, get up and go do something. And then they yeah. do something from that place. And they think that if they lost that voice and thereby like lost the anxiety or lost the imposter syndrome, they think they would be lazy. They think, well, I would never do anything anymore because I don't have that voice like negative, like talking at me. Yeah. Which, by the way, is not true at all. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Like you come from a place of like if, if that voice were gone you would still number one, be motivated. Like I'm living proof of that. I don't have anxiety anymore, imposter syndrome, and I'm still highly productive and highly accomplished. Right. And so it is possible to come from a place that is actually very different. And a lot of times perfectionism can show up as procrastination by the Mm -hmm. way. Mm -hmm. Right. And so you're actually sometimes doing less because that voice is so mean to you and you think, well, I can't do it perfectly. So I'm just not going to even start. Yeah. Whereas like you actually just most of the time have to take imperfect action. What matters is that you're, you're trying to do something and the growth mindset coming in and saying, okay, I'm just going to take some action and I'm going to learn as I go. So yeah, there's a lot. I think a lot that I just said, there's all pause.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, that you just completely reminded me of my uh, ex college boyfriend, (laughs) ex for reason. Um, because like he was all, he always said to me, or not always, but he would always like, when I noticed he was lazy, like half the time, maybe the majority of the time, our relationship, he would say something like my standards are so high. I can never achieve them. You know? And, and I was just like, well, why would you set them so high? But I think that maybe that, like you said, perfectionism is a form of procrastination because they just think like, oh, well, I need to get all my ducks in a row in order for me to do something. Um, You know, but it, it is quite fascinating. And so when you, when you shared that, it, it reminded me of those days where I was like, well, just, just do it. You know, there's a, there's a book out there called fail, fail forward, you know, like just do it and see what happens. But sometimes, you know, perfectionism is an excuse to actually take action.
2: Yeah. So interesting. Right. And so people need to just, you know, who are listening, it's like that sometimes is a really big aha moment for people. I've seen this with people I've talked to, like that perfectionism is actually procrastination. They didn't, they didn't recognize that at all about themselves. Right. Cause they think, Oh, it's somebody who this was, I didn't procrastinate by the way. I actually was the opposite. I did way too much and tried to do it all perfectly. Like, <laughs> yeah. but that, that wasn't me, but they don't even realize a lot of times why they're not doing something. They're just like, it's so beyond their understanding. They don't know that beneath that is like, well, you have to do it perfect. And they think, well, I can't do it perfect. Or yeah, it takes a lot of energy and time. Right. To try and be perfect. So part of them is like, yeah, but I just don't want to spend like X number of hours trying to make it perfect. So I'm just not going to do it at all.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, that's deep stuff. <laughs> that's deep stuff, Heather. I'm really, uh, really enjoying this conversation. Um, yeah. As we start to come to a close here, uh, as you know, the thoughtful entrepreneur is really speaking toward the um, small business owner and entrepreneur um, that listen to the show. And I know that you like to target corporate and entrepreneurial high achieving women. Um, do you have any uh, closing thoughts that you want to share with th- with that particular audience that could be listening to our
2: show? Yeah. I just want people to know like entrepreneurs, cause I'm working one w- right now. She left her corporate job and is starting her own business. And in her corporate job, she felt so confident and capable and she knows what she's doing. But then for some reason, when she goes to start her business, she just like has been freezing and it's like mm-hmm. such a different, you know, pool that she's swimming in that it's making her doubt herself. So I just want people to know who are running their own business. Like, you know, your stuff. You really do. And so just keep coming back to trusting yourself keep coming back to, you know, all of the things that you and I have discussed, Jen, of just taking some action, not trying to be perfect, know that you're going to fail forward, all of those sorts of things. Um, and I've, you know, I've been in business three years. I look back and I was like, wow, if I could do it over again, some of those things I wouldn't, I would redo, <laughs> but even not really. Right. Cause I yeah. learned so much from them. So just know it's like a total journey and a, and a process.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Let me know, Heather, one final question for you. Um, In regards to your journey so far of being an entrepreneur and running the Energy Synergist,
2: what are you most proud of? Oh, my gosh. I'm so proud of how many people I have talked to. I've just really, in particular, last year and this year, just been a voice for educating people about high functioning anxiety and imposter syndrome. And I know that every time I do something like this, like a podcast with you or an interview or something, it just, I just think of it as like little tentacles going out in the world (laughs) and letting people know, like they're okay. Right. Like, yeah. yeah, you're okay.
1: I think that's what we all need to hear, or at least I think I like to believe that um, since the pandemic had started, people started to slow down and, and give themselves more grace and patience. And I think that, you know, your teachings couldn't have come at a better time when people are ready to hear that, right? Because like in a fast paced world before everything shut down, um, we we just kept going. <laughs> and so um, I imagine that this has been, uh, as you mentioned at the beginning of our conversation, this has been a good time for you. And um, again, Heather, I want to thank you so much for being here and joining me on the platform. Entrepreneur. Thank you. Love chatting with you. Yeah. And again to our listeners, this is Heather Ryder, who is an anxiety coach and imposter syndrome educator. Her company is the Energy Synergist, and you can learn more about you can learn more about her and her company at energysynergist.com. Thank you all so much for joining us, and we'll chat with you in the next episode. Tune in next time.
0: Thanks for listening to the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Show. If you are a thoughtful business owner or professional who would like to be on this daily program,